This is a good day to be alive because we're not alone. <clears throat> and you and I can learn, whatever our circumstances, to do life together with God. And we're walking through that in this Advent season as we head towards Christmas. I want to give you today a question, and this question will change your day. And you can come back to it all through the day. You can come back to it a dozen times, a hundred times, and it'll be life-giving every time you do. So keep listening for it because it's going to come. In the Gospel of John, at the very beginning, we're told that the Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us when we beheld His glory. And that was literally true in the person of Jesus. That's the amazing miracle of the Incarnation. But it's also something God wants to have happen inside you and inside me. And this is quite extraordinary. We talk a lot in our day about neuroplasticity, how the brain can actually be changed, can actually be rewired. And that actually every time you think a thought, it, it involves neurons firing, and that changes the brain. And the brain is actually part of your body. It's part of your flesh. So the word becoming flesh, the word becoming embodied in us is actually a way by which we live. And it can happen on, on a spiritual level of the word of God, the presence of Jesus being with me actually in my flesh. Now, one of the people that we're learning from in this series is this remarkable man, missionary thinker Frank Lubbock. He was in the Philippines for many, many years, went through deep di disappointment vocationally, uh, had two of his children die, was separated from his wife and remaining child for a period of time, had a very difficult task to try to do, eventually had amazing impact in the world, deep concerns about literacy, about poverty. He was one of the leading voices behind the Marshall Plan after the Second World War. Frank Lobbock remains the only U.S. missionary, as far as I know, to be put on a U.S. postage stamp. It happened back in the early 1980s because of his impact on the world. And what a lot of people who saw his outside impact did not know is what was most uh, remarkable about him was his inner life and that he decided to devote it to this experiment of seeing to what extent God could be present for him, especially in his mind. Here's what I want to tell you about today. This is a letter from him in May of 1930. He said, The day had been rich but strenuous, so I climbed Signal Hill back of my house. That's what he called the hill where you'd go to meet with God. Talking and listening to God all the way up, all the way back, all the lovely half hour on the top. And God talked back. I let my tongue go loose, and from it there flowed poetry, far more beauty than any I ever composed. It flowed without pausing and without ever a failing syllable for a half hour. I listened astonished and full of joy and gratitude. I wanted a dictaphone, for I knew I should not be able to remember it, and now I cannot. Why, someone may ask, did God waste his poetry on you alone when you could not carry it home? You will have to ask God that question. I only know he did, and I'm happy in the memory. Just a word about prayer. Lubbock discovered, looking back on his life, that for many years, although he was theologically trained and involved in ministry, his life was very empty, dry, and sparse with God. And what he found actually helped him to pray enormously as he would talk with God, go to be alone, go in a place of great beauty where he sees what God is doing in the world and pour out his heart to God. And then he would actually speak back to himself as God talking to him. Now, that sounds kind of daring, although I think almost all of us will have those moments when a thought comes to us, maybe through a Bible verse or in some way, where it seems to say, God is telling us, my child, I love you. 
So if you're looking for a way to bring life to your prayer and experiment with God's voice in you, that notion is one that I will do sometimes just to speak to God and then to use my tongue to allow God to speak to me. Lobbock writes, Below me lay the rice fields as I looked across them. I heard my tongue saying aloud, My child, just as the rice needs the sunshine every day, and could not grow if it had sun only once a week or one hour a day. So you need me all day of every day. People all over the world are withering because they are open toward God only rarely. Every waking minute is not too much. The sun pours out on the earth and gives life. The water rain pours out on the earth and gives life. And so God says, I want to do with you. And every moment's not too much. Lubbock goes on. A few months ago, I was trying to write a chapter on the discovering of God. Now that I have discovered him, I find it is a continuous discovery. Every day is rich with new aspects of him and his working. As one makes new discoveries about his friends by being with them. I used to tell my wife, I know you better than you know yourself, and it did not make her happy. It was not a wise thing to say, because every human being is a wealth of depth that can never be plumbed where there are new surprises. How much more with God? So one discovers the individuality of God if one entertains him continuously. One thing I've seen this week is God loves beauty. Everything he makes is lovely. The clouds the tumbling river, the waving lake, the soaring eagle, the slender blade of grass, the whispering of the wind, the fluttering butterfly, this graceful, transparent, nameless child of the lake, which clings to my window for a moment and vanishes forever. Beautiful craft of God. And I know that he makes my thought life beautiful when I am open all the day to him. Now here it is. If I throw these mind windows apart and say, God, what shall we think of now? That's the question. God, what shall we think of now? You know, mostly spiritual growth, life with God doesn't involve doing new things. It involves doing the same old things you always do, but doing them in a new way. You got to think anyhow. I promise you, you're going to think. Even when you're not trying, you're going to think. Sometimes you will engage in stinking thinking. That's the great human problem. And an opportunity is instead simply to say, God, what should we think of now? When you're bored, when you're confused, when you're tempted, when you got a big problem at work, when you are worried, when you are happy, when you are with someone, when you are alone, when it is time to eat, when you're doing some ordinary mundane task. When, God, what shall we think of now? See, it is when thoughts of beauty and goodness and nobility, wonder, curiosity, admiration, fill our minds that our lives are at their best. And when our thoughts go to worry, darkness, anxiety, selfishness, greed, discontent, anger, resentment, brooding, that we are at our worst. We are what we think about. Why not? God, what should we think of next? If I throw these wine windows open and say, God, what shall we think of now? He answers always in some graceful, tender dream. You may have seen in Livermore at the National Ignition Facility 
just in the past few days, for the first time, there was a breakthrough infusion uh, where scientists discovered that more energy got released than was required by the lasers that they put into the experiment. And uh, that that notion of experimenting is something that can happen not just with lasers, but also with God, where energy gets released. God, what should we think about today? And I know that God is love-hungry, for he's constantly pointing me to some dull, dead soul which he has never reached and wistfully urges me to help him reach that tight-shut mind. As I analyze myself, I find several things happening to me as a result of these two months of strenuous effort to keep God in mind every minute. This concentration upon God is strenuous, And you know what, gang? Life is strenuous. Um, The pursuit of growth, of love, of joy, of uh, goodness of character, that is not something that we drift into. Grace doesn't mean that uh, there's no effort involved in it, but it means that the effort becomes not draining, not life-depleting, but life-giving. This concentration upon God is strenuous, but everything else has ceased to be so. I think more clearly. I forget less frequently. These are frontline reports from the experiment. Things which I did with a strain before, I now do easily and with no effort whatever. I worry about nothing. I don't lose sleep. Even the mirror uh, reveals a new light in my eyes and face. I no longer feel in a hurry. The minutes I meet calmly. Nothing can go wrong except one thing, that is, that God may slip from my mind. If I do not keep on my guard, if he is there, the universe is with me. If he is there, the universe is with me. I go lightly through the day. That's the invitation. The word became flesh. It happened then. It happens now. In your little brain. God... What shall we think about now? You are not alone. Hey, thanks for joining us. To receive a text alert when new episodes are released, You can text the word BECOME to the number 855-888-0444. You can also send prayer requests there, and we would love to pray for you. To receive the emails that go along with each video, let us know at becomenew.me slash subscribe. Special thanks to Matthew Custer for the art and design for this series. See you next time.